Welcome to Banned by the Corporation. I'm David Davies, and you join me for this, the first of four strolls through the archive to explore the stories behind the tracks and the reason the Beeb didn't want you to hear them. To start our journey, we must, not surprisingly, go back to the beginning. The BBC is still a massive, uniquely British institution. Unaffected by advertisers, thanks to being publicly funded, it's produced some of the most memorable moments in entertainment, and it remains one of the most respected broadcasters in the world. But when it began, its idealistic vision had a huge amount to do with the role the founders believed it would play in society. Indeed, Lord Reith, the first Director General of the BBC, said its programming should inform, educate and entertain. He also believed the BBC should be a strict moral compass. So that's why he set up the Dance Music Policy Committee. It was a group whose members may have changed over the years, but the purpose didn't. They were the moral gatekeepers. They worked out what we could hear. It was they who decided if Billy Cotton was actually talking about his dinkle when he sang... Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before. Oh, what a beauty! It must be two feet long or even more. Such a lovely colour, and nice and round and fat. I never thought a marrow could grow as big as that. Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before. Oh, 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 what a beauty! We've never seen one as big as that before. For the record, he clearly was. If you look into much about the early days of the 1930s BBC, you'd come away with the image that Britain was an overstarched angelic state with no swearing, lots of dinner jackets, and where every man, woman and child stood during the national anthem. But a look beyond the airwaves reveals a wonderful world of innuendo and smut across every music hall in Britain, with filthy jokes slung around in every corner pub and dirty cartoons and porno pictures. Well, they caused a roaring trade in the early days of Fleet Street. I've always said, give a mad paintbrush and he'll want to paint a watercolour sunset. Give him a camera and he'll snap a picture of his gentles before the week is out. That's also, incidentally, why I'm banned from my local snappy snaps, but I digress. Officially, the BBC is never, quote-unquote, banned an individual record. However, its strict and often bizarre moral guidelines have often meant that many were deemed unfit to air. And it's these cheeky little gems we'll be pouring over in the next four episodes. First, we begin with this, a classic, the wonderful, yet banned, Love for Sale by Cole Porter. from the musical The New Yorkers, which opened on Broadway in December 1930. The song itself caused a scandal at the time, as not only was it a prostitute singing about what she gets up to, but she actually sounds like she's enjoying it. Even more shocking, however, is that the original performance saw a white performer, Catherine Crawford, singing it outside a mock-up of popular high-end Manhattan restaurant. 
Such was the outcry about the song, they placated the critics by shifting it over to an African-American singer, Elizabeth Welsh, and they repainted the backdrop to now be Harlem's Cotton Club. Oh yeah, 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 she's black, it's, it's perfectly okay. The song's been covered by many artists, including an amazing version by Billie Holiday in 1945, but even that couldn't persuade Auntie Beebe to allow us to hear it. Despite that, or indeed probably because of it, the vinyl recording of the track proved to be a huge hit with the public, a trend that will become familiar as our journey continues. But happy hookers weren't the only thing to be troubling the BBC in this time. We've also had the danger of the evil dope fiends. <laughs> Reefer Madness was still a few years away, but the BBC was well aware that drugs were bad, OK? Take this, a band classic, Cab Calloway's Minnie the Moocher. Folks, now here's a story about Minnie the Moocher. She was a red-hot hoochie-coocher. She was the roughest, toughest frail. Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Ho-dee-ho, ho-dee-ho. Ho-dee-ho, ho-dee-ho. She messed around with a blood named Smokey. She loved him though he was cocky. He took her down to Chinatown. He showed her how to kick the gong around. Showed her how to kick the from 1931, Minnie the Moocher was by far Calloway's biggest hit, selling over a million copies. Its call and response chorus proving hugely popular with fans brought up on the audience participation heavy music halls of the 20s, yet the BBC were quick to notice that there were hidden meanings in this filthy old 78. Based heavily on a song from 1927 called Willie the Weeper, which frankly sounds even more disturbing and filthy, Cab took Minnie and soaked the lyrics in heavy drug references, which we probably wouldn't even get nowadays. Smokey, for example, Minnie's lover in the song, is described as cokey, as in he's a coke fiend. And even Minnie herself is said to have been kicking the gong around, a very slightly racist slang term for being a heroin user. This makes it even more surprising that the song and the band were used in a cartoon, alongside animation superstar Betty Boop, with Cab not, not only supplying the vocals and the music, but also appearing as a motion-captured walrus, warbling on about Class A's. Something even Andy, cover me in ping-pong balls and film my every move circus can't claim to have done. The extended version of the song ends with Minnie banged up in a lunatic asylum, after bailing out Smokey from jail. As Cab says... <laughs> You win. 
And if that didn't make you want to put a belt around the light fitting and one foot on the stool, this next one surely will. It's Gloomy Sunday. Sunday is gloomy, my hours are numberless. Here is the shadows I live with are numberless. Little white flowers will never awaken you, not where the black coach of sorrow has taken you. Have no thought of ever returning you Would they be angry if I thought of joining you Gloomy Sunday Gloomy Sunday, also known as the Hungarian Suicide Song was first banned by the BBC in 1941 under the grounds that it was detrimental to wartime morale Hmm, <laughs> you think? This ban wasn't lifted until 2002, the same year the Queen Mother died. Coincidence? You decide. The song was originally written as a love poem called Sad Sunday by Laszlo Javor in Hungary in 1932 after his lover had left him, presumably because he was the 1930s version of Morrissey. The song itself was composed by Rezo Seri in Paris. He did so against a background of Great Depression and fascist uprising in Hungary, although it's not clear whether the song is more depressing because of this or personal melancholy. But either way, it's dripping with despair, and the press during the 1930s managed to link the song to 19 suicides, both in Hungary and the United States. However, most have debunked this, claiming that maybe famine and poverty might have had more influence over a person topping themselves than the song. <laughs> Imagine. However, it should be noted that in 1968, composer Cerise did indeed commit suicide, jumping from a window in Budapest. Surprisingly, this news did nothing to lift the BBC's ban on the piece. Indeed, wartime has had a huge influence on the BBC. They wouldn't allow anything to be played that they thought would cause the troops abroad to wish they were home or question why they were there, laying their lives on the line. This meant songs such as I'll Be Home for Christmas or Noel Coward's brilliant Let's Not Be Beastly to the Germans never got played. But it wasn't just the troops abroad that needed thinking about in 1941. The bee banned this. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. The prairie sky is wide and high. Deep in the heart of Texas. Why? Was it sending an anti-British feeling? No. Did it contain anti-religious sentiment? No. Did it encourage the listener to question the very ideal of freedom and rise against the state? No. The BBC were concerned that if they played deep in the heart of Texas, that munitions workers across Britain would down tools for three minutes to clap along. Yep, it got itself banned for being too catchy. Which is probably why you'll never hear the Macarena in wartime. Don't worry, that's all I'm playing of that, after all the Beeb never banned it, sadly. So those were just a small example of the songs that troubled the BBC during the 30s and 40s. Hopefully you'll join me next time as we peer into the 50s and 60s, and trust me, we've only just scratched the surface of those wonderful recordings 
that were banned by the corporation. The song I am now going to sing you was written during the war years as a satire directed against a small minority of excessive humanitarians who, in my opinion, were taking a rather too tolerant view of our enemies. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans, for they're civilized when all is said and done. Though they gave us science, culture, art, and music to excess, they also gave us two world wars and Dr. Rudolf Hess. Let's be meek to them and turn the other cheek to them and try to arouse their latent sense of fun. Let's give them full our parity and treat the rats with charity, but don't let's be beastly to the Hun. Don't let's be beastly to the Germans, for you can't deprive a gangster of his gun. Though they've been a little naughty to the Czechs and Poles and Dutch, I can't believe those countries really minded very much. Let's be free with them and share the BBC with them. We mustn't prevent them basking in the sun. Let's soften their defeat again and build their bloody fleet again, but don't let's be beastly to the Hun.